the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three underway now, 10 minutes past 11 o'clock. It is a Wednesday, the 16th morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Thank you so much for being with us. Ladies and gentlemen, distinguished guests, and my fellow citizens, America's comeback starts right now. President Trump making the announcement yesterday that was a surprise to absolutely no one. And by the way, if anybody had any questions, when they turned on Fox, I think Fox was the only network that actually carried it live. Anybody who uh, might have been wondering, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? He announced a big announcement. What's he going to say? The podium <laughs> the podium was adorned with Trump 2024 uh, uh, graphics. So uh, the announcement was, uh, was a surprise to absolutely no one. I said this before. Uh, when I interviewed President Trump uh, in June of last year of 2021, and I asked him if he was going to uh, run again in 2024, he he said, well, I can't say that right now, but I think he'll be very, very happy. I mean, he was basically announcing it right from the day Biden was inaugurated. He was basically saying, I'm coming back. I'm not going to let this stand. I want my second term, the one you just stole from me. So last night it was official. He is uh, going for his second term. It'll take his third run to get it, however. Joining us now to analyze that. And so much more is our good friend from the Ohio Press Network, founder and uh, uh, editor-in-chief of the Ohio Press Network. But more importantly to me, he's my co-host in Talking Smack with Bob and Jack. It's our new podcast that airs on Facebook Live or streams on Facebook Live. Uh, Mondays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. And uh, will soon be uploaded to all of the podcast networks and platforms that you are used to getting your podcast from. Jack Windsor, what's going on, brother? Hey. Bob, it's uh, super fantastic to be here. Thanks for choosing me today. I won't ask you uh, the super fantastic question like I did on the last podcast. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll say that one. Uh, okay, Jack Windsor. Um, Trump loyalists, MAGA hat wearers, 
Uh, 45 enthusiasts, they're super fantastic because they got what they wanted last night. Um, this, I think, is the earliest I have ever heard of a president declaring, or a candidate rather, declaring his candidacy for the presidency. I, I, they almost always come in the year before the election, in 2023 in this case, usually in the spring to summer. I think Trump did it in June of 2015 for the 2016 race, but. He's not waiting. He's literally two years away, November of 22, for the November of 24 election. Does that, uh, what do you, I want to ask if it surprises you. What do you make of this, such an early announcement? You know, we talked, Bob, prior to the general election last week. And when he was in Ohio, we flirted with the idea that he might announce then. Yeah. So I think he was chomping at the bit to do it. Um, between you and me and everybody listening, I think it was a game time decision. Then, I think I think he was legitimately deciding while he was at the podium if he was going to announce when he was in Dayton to talk about JD Vance and some of the other U.S. Senate candidates that he backed. So I'm not surprised that he announced so soon. Um, you know, what is the effect on? What kind of effect does that have on the primary? You know, it's really it's it's hard to tell. It makes it more expensive. I believe. Um, but look, he's going to have uh, earned media now, not that, you know, CNN and all those other places don't cover Trump anyway. Um, but here comes the wave of Donald Trump for the next two years. Um, and so, you know, that gives him maybe a slight advantage there. Um, he's going to spend a ton of money, which means that anyone that wants to beat him in the primary is also going to have to spend a ton of money. The other thing that it does is I think it brings into focus, what does the Department of Justice do now? Uh, you know, it's been kind of a wait-and-see game after they procured all those documents from Mar-a-Lago, and some people speculate that he's going to get a good piece down the road and have spent money and started campaigning, and then all of a sudden, um, uh, you know, the action's going to be taken by the DOJ. So there's a lot yet to be determined, but uh, it certainly isn't hard to determine how people are feeling about it, and if I were to sum it up, it's a mixed bag, Bob. I, I would start with your comment yesterday. Is it possible to believe two things at the same time, like someone being an exceptional former president and that he shouldn't run again? And yes, it is. Uh, and and I think there are a lot of people who feel what you're feeling, whether they say it on record to me for a report or not. Uh, I think you're right. Um, the, the one thing I would say about what you just said is that the mixed bag isn't like filled with a whole bunch of hodgepodge of opinions. There's either Trump all the way or I detest the idea. Um, there's nobody who's in the middle going, yeah, Trump's running for president again. Okay, I'm all right with that. Yeah, meh. There's, there, there's very little shrugging of the shoulders, and okay, it's either outstanding, that's what I can't wait, let's go, MAGA all over again, or it's, mm-hmm. no, I don't want this circus again, I can't handle this again, we need new blood. I just feel like there's nobody in the middle of a Trump announcement like this. No, look, and that's, I think, uh, two parts. The first part is that's where our country is. It doesn't matter if we're talking about parents' rights and education or who the nominee is for president. Um, there's a clear line of demarcation, and you're either on the left or you're on the right. But to say that Donald Trump isn't polarizing would be a joke. So um, I, I think those two things together make it absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, Bill Cunningham. I talk with him uh, quite a bit down in Cincinnati. He said, you know, Trump is the supposed to be the, the king maker, not the king, and this is the wrong time. Uh, Luis Gill, uh, who ran uh, wait, in wait, Franklin wait, wait, County. Wait, 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 hold on a second. 
Bill told you that Trump is supposed to be the kingmaker and not the king. In what world? When has Donald Trump ever been kingmaker and not I am the king, I am the centerpiece? When, when has that ever been? I mean, I'm thinking back to his career as a, you know, as a as host of The Apprentice, to his, uh, you know, multi-billion-dollar real estate dealings, and his Trump casino, and his Trump uh, hotels, and his Trump, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh uh, what was the school called? The Trump University thing. I mean, he's always yep. been. I'm the king. I'm the centerpiece. What, what is Bill talking about? I've well, never I, known him to know, be the kingmaker. I've never known him to say I want to be behind the scenes, behind the, the throne. The, in, in and fairness, let... yeah, yeah. In fairness to him, in fairness to everybody that I talked to last night, the question was: Is this the right move for the party? And maybe that's a loaded question. And he said, "Not really. We need him to be a kingmaker and not king." So now that I agree with, I think, yeah. That, he needs to be okay. that, but he's never been. That's never been but his MO. That's not. A, that's not in his DNA. That's right. So he might be. You know, he might be the prince maker, right? He might say, "You can be part of this court or the round table, but don't forget who your daddy is. I'm king." Uh, you know, that is his, <laughs> that is in his DNA, um, and that's not what he's going to do. I think some people speculated that he might announce last night that he wasn't going to run and that he was going to anoint somebody as. You know, the heir apparent, that didn't happen. Maybe it was in the cards. Maybe that's why, you know, there was some vitriol for uh, the governor of Virginia, uh, Glenn Youngkin, or Ron DeSantis in Florida. I don't know. I'm still puzzled by those things. I'm sure there are a lot of QAnon conspiracy theorists who have, you know, uh, that up on the top of their list and could explain it, you know, just like uh, JFK Jr. is going to come out of the clouds and, and run with him. I don't know. But, um it's it's perplexing, but it's not when you look at Donald Trump. He's going to run, um, and he has a head start. So <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, the head start doesn't always mean so much. By the way, we saw that in the Ohio Senate race, Tim Ryan got a head start in May and started full, you know, floor uh, pedal to the to the metal immediately. Uh, and JD Vance said, "Okay, slow and steady wins the race. I'm going to wait until it counts. I'm going to wait till August and September and October before I start TV uh, and do my thing." So the head start he's going to have over all of the others may or may not bear any fruit. I, I just wanted to be clear too. If Donald Trump wins the nomination, I will go to the mat for him, and I will bring with me that record of success, of economic success, of secure national security, southern border, foreign affairs, trade, you name it. I will go to bat for him every step of the way because his policies work. But what millions of Americans seem to be saying, and I've seen a couple of surveys that indicate this, not to mention the uh, comments directly from some of Trump's largest supporters and voters in 2016 and 2020, uh, they're saying, we want those those policies to continue. We want everything you did to continue, but we need a better messenger because we can't defend the toxicity and we can't deal with it, quite frankly, either. It's very, very hard to do. Um, and, and Jack, the, the other part of this, it seems as though anybody who is not saying that, anybody who is still wearing the red cap and saying, let's go, they're trying to find a way to smear his biggest rival as establishment. Can you tell me anything that Ron DeSantis has done since he you know, became governor, defied Fauci, defied the CDC, opened up his state, and, 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 and the list goes on and on. Can you tell me anything that smacks of establishment or deep state type of uh, 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 characteristics in, in the governor of Florida? Outside of the QAnon message boards, no, right. I can't. 
And I think, by the way, that is, is that's probably the faction of the party and the Trump supporters um, that are beating that drum. Uh, by the way, the same group of people said last night, oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. He didn't say he's going to run in 2024. No, no, you're you're construing it. This is fake news. He didn't say he's going to run for president in 24. I mean, somebody said that. Who said that? Kool-Aid. Was that? Uh, a- there, there are there are quite a few people who said no. The news is reporting false information. Trump didn't say he's going to run in 24. Well, what is wrong the with way. these people? Did they not see the podium in front of him that said Trump 2024? I mean, what is wrong with people, Jack? I'm just having such a hard time understanding, regardless of where you fall on the Trump, you know, now or 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 time for new blood thing, what, where, do, where does that come from when it is literally on the podium, uh, you know, from which he is speaking? I mean, my God. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a different analysis. I mean, that's a whole different psyop analysis that I'm not qualified or patient enough to, <laughs> you know, roll through. But I will say, um, you know, I did get a video yesterday of Ron DeSantis being questioned about what Trump said, and it was really interesting. His response didn't include Trump's name at all. And some people said, wow, what a classy, powerful response. And he basically said, well, you know, it's kind of part and parcel with politics, right? I'm over the target. I'm going to take fire. That's what happens when you are effective. That's what happens when you listen to people and stand up for them. That's what happens when you get things done. So, um, yeah, I would expect that there is going to be a smear campaign. That's part of what happens in the primary. And by the way, um, I think that is the downside. I, I'm hearing two things. You said something before you asked the question about Ron DeSantis. You said, you know, I would work for his campaign. What I'm getting from a lot of people that I reached out to last night, and there were a ton, is two parts. The first is, if he does get the nomination, I'm working for him, we're going to bring this thing home. But what I'm also hearing is, he's not the guy. He's not the guy. His time has passed. We need to move on. So, um, you know, I'm getting a lot of that. And uh, I just feel like um, if he does continue down the road, um, and I only say if he does, not to be a conspiracist, but I'm saying how will the Department of Justice weigh in? Will that matter at some point, perhaps? I don't think that it will derail him, but it will be a, you know, a blip on the radar or a bump that he has to drive over. So yeah. that being said, what this does do is it makes the primary bloody and expensive. And I think that's the, that's the part. I mean, we just saw that in Ohio with J.D. Vance and that six or seven, depending on how you want to count it, six or seven member race. I mean, the GOP beat the snot out of each other and they spent $65 million. And then when it came time for the general election, um, you know, thank goodness if you're a Republican that Tim Ryan's rebranding campaign wasn't effective because he spent $50 million. Um, so it's going to be expensive. And I think, um, you know, the downside to it is do, do you exhaust all of your resources in the primary and are people so divided and bludgeoned by the time they get to the general in 2024 that Joe Biden or somebody else cruises to victory? I cannot help but wonder in that, um, you know, that factor of the race to come, how much of it will be self-funded like his first campaign and how much he will be able to draw donors, big donors. Um, he may be able to draw a lot of small donations from, you know, the, the, the Trump, the Trump train riders, but I wonder how many big donors are going to get behind him given all of the things that we just talked about versus, uh, mm-hmm. the new blood that can go for a lot longer. Uh, just something to consider. Jack, let's pivot quickly to Ohio yep. because uh, I talked to John Hagan this morning and we had a really great conversation, a lot of great information about what happened yesterday. But the great information isn't a great result. They punted again 
they continue yep. to find ways to not vote on the Brendan Shea resolution, which even though it was voted out of the executive committee on Monday to do so yesterday, they found a way to uh, not declare it an emergency vote, and thus we can take it up again in December. I mean, they can just do this month after month after month, can't they? Yeah, they can, but, you know, here's here's what is in the advantage of people who don't. Well, first of all, uh, my understanding is there was no roll call vote. Uh, and instead of voting on the resolution, they craftily said, look, we need to make this an emergency order that we vote on, right, or an emergency resolution. So they weren't necessarily voting on the resolution. They were saying, hey, it's an emergency resolution. And that's kind of what killed it. So they can come back and say, oh, we didn't vote against it. We just didn't vote to make it. You know, it's something that we were going to decide on that day. So it gives them another buffer. The problem is, um, you know, there were three board members, uh, Teresa Fetter, Tom Jackson, Katie Hoffman, uh, by the way, that the teachers union put $100,000 behind who were just elected. And, uh, you know, as we flip the calendar into 2023, those folks are going to be on the board. And they're not folks that support Brendan Shea's resolution or Mike Pohl's, uh changes to that resolution. So as the State Board of Education kicks this can down the road, what it ensures is that this is either going to die on the vine or it's going to be killed in 2023 when there is a decidedly liberal State Board of Education. And I'm sure I, I have to go back and listen uh, to your conversation with Mr. Hagan today, and I will. Uh, but I'm sure you probably got into uh, maybe the next hope for conservatives, which is Senate Bill 178. Yeah, I did, and that and that, that was the last question I wanted to ask you about, as a matter of fact. But you know what? I'm tight here on time before the bottom. Can you you want to hang, Jack? Yep. All right, you let's got do it, it. Brother. Let's take this time out here. We'll get to our newscast. We'll come back and ask Jack Windsor about that too. It's a big deal. Yeah, Senate Bill 178 in the Ohio Senate. Um, is extraordinarily important if we're going to try to stop the woke crap that is going on in our schools. And uh, we'll talk about it with Jack right after this. All right, friends, there are only three weeks left. In the annual enrollment period for Medicare 2022, do you understand that? The last day is December 7th. Think of it. Pearl Harbor Day is the last chance you have to uh, make changes to your Medicare plan, get into a better plan, or enroll in a plan for the first time. In either case, here is how you get it done. 440-832-8936. That's the number to King Insurance. That's the number to Keeping Medicare Simple. Mark King has been doing this for 33 years, watching the changes in Medicare and advising people on what might be best for them for their buck, for the bang for their buck, and for whatever their health care needs are. Uh, the best part about Mark King and uh, keeping Medicare simple is they represent multiple carriers, all of the big ones. And guess what that means? That means he is not beholden to one insurance company and say, here, this is the plan for you. Sign it because it's going to make him money. No, it's not like that. That's what you see on TV. When you talk to Mark King, he's going to give you objective, unbiased advice and say, this is the opportunity here, this is the one here, this is the one here. It's up to you which one you want to do. He'll give you the best advice that you can possibly ask for, but he's going to leave it up to you because that's how it's supposed to be. It's your health and it's your life. Call 440-832-8936 if you want a truly objective, non-biased uh, advisor on how to make your Medicare selections, 440 440- Eight three two eight nine three six. You'll find out why I trust Mark King, and you should too. License number three zero one eight five.
government is so bad, you just have to laugh. <laughs> Always right with Bob Fritz on AM 1420, The Answer. Senate Bill 178 introduced in the Senate Primary and Secondary Education Committee yesterday by State Senator Bill Reinecke from Tiffin seeks to, quote, improve the academic achievement and workforce skills of our students to drive better outcomes in their education and prepare for more effective career readiness, end quote. The other things that it will do, according to those in the know, uh, is take the decisions on woke curricula out of the hands of the Board of Education. State Board of Education would be basically kind of whittled down where their responsibilities would be... um, well, having nothing to do with uh, with respect to to textbooks and uh, and curriculum, Jack Windsor is back with us once again to uh, discuss. Jack, this is a big deal, especially as we continue to watch what you just discussed last segment. The Ohio Board of Education be unable to do anything of substance as it pertains to uh, CRT, CSE, and all the other concerns that people have about parents not having a role in some of the radical things that their kids are learning. So, if the Board of Education won't act. Well, here's one state senator who's looking for some support and sponsors uh, mm-hmm. to say, and it's got the support, my understanding is, of Senate President Matt Huffman uh, mm-hmm. to say that if they won't get out of their own way and do anything, then we'll do it for them. We'll, 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 we'll take it out of the Board of Education's hands and give it to the governor. Yeah, so we'll kind of slow roll through this, and, and you can speed me up where we need to. But uh, the bill resides in the uh, Primary and Secondary Education Committee in the Senate, uh, Andrew Brenner who actually is my senator, my state senator, uh, is the chairman there. Um, other members are Louis Blessing, Stephen Huffman, Sandra O'Brien, Michael Rooley, and Vernon Sykes. So Republicans uh, have a five-to-one advantage in that committee. So that bill will get out of committee. Uh, my conversation with Senator Andrew Brenner, uh, my first question was, I looked at the bill, and it's very short. And when I look at the summary, it says the bill states the intent of the General Assembly to enact legislation to reform the functions and responsibilities of the State Board of Education, the Superintendent of Public Instruction, and the Department of Education. And I said, hey, is this a placeholder? And he said, yep, it is a placeholder. Uh, the sub-bill comes next week based upon Bill's testimony. Um, let me get you hit. And, and um, by the way, Bill uh, is, the, is the senator, um, Bill Reinecke. Um, and so I have his testimony that I'm going through right now. But the plan is to have hearings on this bill the week of the 30th, uh, and then the week of December 7th with a possible vote on December 13th. Now, um, they intend to send it to the floor. So what happens there is up for debate, literally and <laughs> figuratively. Um, but Brenner said, I don't think that it will have time to go through to the House. So, um, and by the way, the Republicans, again, have a massive supermajority in both the Senate and the Ohio House. But it looks like they, the Senate could get their work done. Uh, before you know, going into Christmas, perhaps, but I don't know that the House will have time to act. Okay, um, let's talk about what it would mean and how it would improve things if it does. Um, if the governor's office takes control of this, then um, are we talking appointees? Are we talking about a committee? What are we talking yeah. about? My understanding, as right now, the way the discussion is going, the bill would change the department structure and make. Uh, the Department of Education and Workforce Development, and that would have a director appointed by the governor with the Senate's approval. And so in that case, the State Board of Education, which is the group we've talked about, 
It has kicked the can down the road with Shea and Toll's resolutions. They would play a limited role in the department's policy, becoming an advisory board to the director of this uh, Department of Education and Workforce Development. Um, the board would still continue to oversee future licensures, education or educator misconduct cases, and school ter- uh, territory transfers. But the department would have two divisions: one focused on K through 12, and another on career technical education. The state superintendent would have a demoted role, being only an advisor to the director and the board's secretary. So, what it would do, yes, is it would give this director more control. Um, and that is something I think we, that needs to be considered and debated. But yes, it would it would totally and radically change the state board of education structure right now. So, uh, do you have any faith, Jack, in in such a, 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 a you know Department of Educational Workforce group to do this? Uh, if the appointed director of said group is is going to be Mike DeWine, because Mike DeWine is horrible. <laughs> at selecting people to do what is right by way of parents and their kids. He's the one who appointed the Tim Millers of the of 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 the of the uh, uh the OBE and the uh what's her name uh, um uh, Manchester or something the one who was sitting yeah. who sat there in this committee hearing and could not define a woman. She was like uh Katanji Brown Jackson literally could not define a woman you know i think there's multiple definitions she won't even accept biology how is she on a school board if she's literally saying the biology isn't real um and this is an appointee of of mike dewine mike dewine is the most pathetic wretch of a governor the state has ever seen and that includes the democrats and i don't want him appointing anybody i want i want senate 178 to pass only because i want to take this out of the left wingers on the school board but mike dewine is going to appoint left wingers on the new committee so there's there's the there's the issue of executive overreach in every capacity, right? That that's always a risk. We just went through two years of seeing that play out federally and statewide, in my humble opinion. So if we're going to consolidate power with one appointment, um, it might be good if your uh, person is in that chair. It might be terrible if your person isn't in that chair. What happens four years from now? If, uh, you know, somebody like Nan Whaley replaces Mike DeWine. Now, but you ask a fair question, what happens if it's Mike DeWine and his appointment isn't um, as conservative or wouldn't do the things that you and, and the listeners would want done? And I think that's a fair question. Here's the challenge. Uh, they're saying the, the crazy part out loud. You and I talked about this on our podcast, whether it's the National Education Association, Ohio Education Association, Ohio Federation of Teachers. These folks are saying, look, parents aren't the experts. Teachers are the experts. Parents, you need to stay in your lane. We're the experts. We're going to teach the kids. We know better than you. And when people stand up and say, hey, I just want to make sure that my rights as a parent are protected. If something is going down with my kid regarding his or her mental and emotional health or, you know, questions about gender ideology, I want to be included. And by the way, I think, you know, girls should compete against biological girls and boys should compete against biological boys. But what's happening is Scott DeMauro, he hasn't. He has not defined it, but he he calls people like that extremists. So, you know, that's the other challenge. So the unions are lining up and saying, hey, you extremists, sit down, let the teacher experts handle all of these things. And but, you know, there's a lot of money behind the teachers union and money talks. Of course. So, you know, there are a lot of hurdles ahead, Bob. Um, And people like you and me, we both have kids. 
Um, I'm not really anti anything. I'm, you know, pro a lot of things. I'm, I'm pro parents' rights and I'm, I'm pro science. I'm pro facts and I'm pro, uh, protect my daughter and make sure she's not competing against a, a boy who's two times her size and strength. So, but we would be called extremists. So th- there's an uphill battle there, Bob. And it's going to be one. I don't think it's going to be one in one piece of legislation. I think it's no. a, a slow slogging fight. Yeah, I, I completely concur. Um, it is a, it is a, a shame. <clears throat> it is to the shame of our Ohio uh, a board of Ed- Department of Education, the Ohio Board of Education, and the individual district boards that we even having to have these conversations. That uh, that these teachers should be allowed to implement their woke curricular ideas uh, in judge in place of the parents' judgment, and then literally to tell them by way of you you and I talked about on our podcast some of the statements from the NEA, which of course is part of the uh, of which uh, the OEA is part. Literally saying that, you know what, parents, step to the side, stay in your lane. We know what's best for your kids. That is ultimately what this is about. Do parents have a right to say, I'm raising my kids. You just teach them math and, and, and English. I don't even know if I want to teach them science now if they won't acknowledge that, that, that sex is binary, uh, that there are only two genders, that there are only two genders, no more. If they don't want to do, I don't even know if I want them to do the science part of that. We should probably be able to farm that out to to actual uh, scientists and biologists. But uh, but at the end of the day, Jack, it doesn't speak well of our entire public school system in the state of Ohio if uh, uh, if parents are being shoved out of the uh, out of the um, uh, I don't know their role, I guess, if you will, in the upbringing of a child. No, it it truly is the manifestation of what we talked about for decades. The nanny state is here. Yeah, and government go. has taken the place of God and parents, and uh, we need to wake up to that, and we need to decide what what we're going to do about it. That's why we have you on, Jack Windsor. That's perfectly stated. That is exactly what's happening here. Jack Windsor, Ohio Press Network, and also Talk and Smack with Bob and Jack Mondays and Thursdays at seven p.m. on Facebook Live. Make sure you follow us there, and we'll get them uploaded as quickly as we can to your podcast platforms. Jack, thank you. Always an honor, Bob. God bless that's you. All the time, that's all the time we've got for today. I want to close with this. I'll see you tonight in Northfield, right? If you have not yet registered to be at our Citizens for Free Speech Town Hall tonight with Tom DeWeese speaking on The Great Reset, you still have time to do it. Register right now at citizensforfreespeech.org forward slash Ohio. We'll see you tonight, and then we'll see you tomorrow morning right here on Always Right Radio. Be well, be safe, stay free. Bye-bye. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.